titles. I'm thrilled to have you along for my next project, the So My Mom's a Therapist podcast. I'm actually going to be listening to your questions. So send me your questions in a voice memo to my email address. So my mom's a therapist podcast at gmail.com. Each week, I'm going to be answering those questions along with my TikTok buddy and producer, Andrew. And while you're at it, a great way for you to support this podcast is to rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us grow and reach more people. And it only takes a few seconds. Thank you for listening. And we're so grateful that you're here. All right, Uh, Lisa, we are back for another week. How was your week? Yeah, you know, it was pretty good. Actually, you're catching me on a day that I'm I'm actually feeling kind of um, sassy today. Oh, I love that. Yeah, um, because I it's a little rainy here in California, mm-hmm. and I was kind of in a mood, and so I went into my my daughter's closet and I stole her platform Doc Martin boots, and I'm like busting them out, and I have to tell you, I. <laughs> I don't know what it is about him, but like, I'm like feeling it. And then I ran an errand and this guy walked in and the guy's like, I like your outfit. I like your boots. And I was like, yeah, oh that's right. I know. Giving so, it a little oomph. Uh, exactly. I mean, it gave me about a good inch or two. And like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling a little on trend right now. So I don't know. <laughs> that's something that's really interesting because we've actually never met in person and. You don't know how tall I am. Exactly. And I'm really tall. I'm like six two, six three, And. I know that people really take height into consideration, and that's something that a lot of people look for when they're dating a partner. What do you say to someone who is concerned about height when they're going to meet somebody? Do you think that really, you know, does size matter? Yeah, you know, that that comes up a lot, and I see that in a lot of the TikTok videos of, like, and a lot of people complaining about the guy needs to be over six feet tall. And, you know, a lot of people come in, and they'll they'll really be critical of people people doing that. And I kind of take more of a, I mean, this is no shocker to anyone that knows me, but I take more of a balanced approach to say, well, hold, hold on. Who are you to tell somebody else what's attractive to them and not, right? We all have preferences. So if you are, if you prefer to be with somebody taller, I would say, no, you get to choose what you're attracted to and what you're not. On the flip side of it, here's the balance part. I would also say, be very careful. Be very careful that we don't keep our box so ideal and so expectation and they have to have so many specifics, like they have to be this tall, that you could be missing out on a really amazing person that maybe just doesn't fit your height requirement. And so, again, there's that balance to leave space for what you are attracted to and at the same time be able to like, hold on, I would encourage you to expand those boxes a little bit outside of what you may think that you want because those are ideals in our head. But I have to tell you, I mean, as somebody who grew up very body conscious, it's one of my favorite reasons why I love working with teenagers is because, it, you know, looks were so hard for me when I was in high school and really struggled with it. And, you know, it, I think when you become comfortable in your body, and that's one of the biggest relationships I encourage people to work on. That doesn't mean you do it outside. You can't date until you do it. But that relationship with self is so key. And no, you don't have to get that figured out before you're in a relationship with somebody else. But we don't want to ignore it either because you're the one that has to live in your body, spend more, more time with your thoughts than anybody else on this planet. Even if you found your ideal mate, you are still in your body with your thoughts 24-7. And how do we make make that a more pleasant place to be. And a lot of people, they either can't stand themselves or they tolerate themselves. And I want it where you can put on 
two-inch platform Doc Martens and Doc Martens and think you are a badass no matter how tall you are. Um, and you know, I think that's something, of course, with age that I've really grown into is loving, like love. I'm so I'm five eight, almost five nine. So this gives me a little bit more, and I I absolutely love it. You know, I kind of joke. I I, I kind of skipped over like the size zero. I think I like, you know, I was kind of a chunky kid, and I think I like, skipped right over. Like there was no size. There was no hundred pounds. We just we just went flying past that. You know, and I think for people that are not necessarily petite or small, and how do I enjoy and embrace my body? And it's a journey, and I don't mean it to sound easy because it's not. It, it, eating issues was a, a life struggle for me to get to a place where I wanted to be free. I wanted to enjoy my body and embrace my body, not just tolerate my body. Um, and I would that's a, a relationship I'd encourage everybody to work on for a lifetime, for a lifetime. Well, we want to start this episode by talking about a video that you posted this week. What do we do with people that are inconsistent? Here's what. One, we can't communicate about it, but you're communicating for yourself not to make them change. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we think I need to communicate in order to get a change from them. Not necessarily. I can't control what they do. What I, what I am doing is saying, I like how I handled this. I like how I communicated. And then I watch with my eyes and see what I do. Your communication isn't to make them change. It's to set up something that feels better in your body. So talk to me about that. I mean, that is such a profound thought. Yeah, so this was one of the this was one of the videos that I did. It wasn't my biggest video. It had like sixty thousand plus views, but the but the comments in it were a lot of like, I don't get it. Please explain. I've never thought of it this way. And this is a really key piece because oftentimes where we get stuck, whether it's dating or relationships, marriage, wherever it is, where we think we're we're communicating with the other person to get to move them, to get what we want, and then we get frustrated, which is why we repeat it. I have yet to meet a mother that doesn't repeat things five or six times, right? And why? Because they're trying to get their point across. They're trying to, you're trying to control something. And that's not a bad thing. But what you're simply trying to do in communication is we want to shift it back so it feels better in my body. So if I shift my perspective on why I'm communicating, I'm communicating to tell you, look, you know, let's say they're dating, let's say they're newly dating, and you say, look, this kind of inconsistency, that doesn't work for me. Now, you may think in your head, I'm saying it because I want them to change. And then if they don't change, I take it personally. I take it personally. I'm offended. Why, you know, and then I feel rejected or why aren't I worth it? And it hits, it hits into our value and worth. And I want to separate that out to say, no, no, my communication is about me setting up a case. And I'm going to explain this. It's like me setting up a legal case, a legal case has all these steps that it goes through. It has all these procedures. It has all these appointments that it goes through. It has all the evidence that it gathers before it makes a decision right? And so we're setting up our case. And part of our case is I've communicated. I've made it clear. I've walked through and said, this doesn't work for me. I've watched with my eyes. Here's me gathering my evidence. And then I can make my decision. It's more about hearing yourself say it and honoring it. And somebody will be like, nope, nope, that doesn't make me feel good. What makes me feel good is when they do it. Yes, but that's the piece I don't have control over. So if I put my fa- my focus back on the piece I have control over is I made it really clear. I made I communicated really clear. This is just what I need. And then I watch with my eyes. And if they're not able to give it to me, then we come back around. Maybe if I say it again, 
Maybe if I say it in a different tone, maybe if I say it louder, maybe if I say it slower in actuality, you know, and what are we doing the whole time? We are, we are hitting our head against the wall. So we simply come back to say, no, it's actually about hearing myself honor what's going on, saying this isn't working, watching with my eyes. It's a good thing I have a lollipop. It's my little, little, this is, a, this is my, uh. Your my one. prop, yeah. As long as I don't, as long as I don't get caught in my hair, we're good. Um, I watch with my eyes, and I gather this evidence, and then I come back, and I'm able to say, "Look, I made it really clear what I wanted. I made it really clear this is just what I need, and I know that's not needy to say this is what I need." And now saying, "Now, based on the evidence and the way I've communicated, this is no surprise to you. Now I'm going to make a decision whether I want to stay or go." See how different that feels. And I'm curious, like. When does the line cross over? And I think we've talked about this, but when does the line cross over to neediness in an inappropriate way? Would that be expecting them to jump through hoops for you or and making that your deal breaker? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, you know, I always say it's not needy to have needs, but when are we needy? And that is when that if you and one of the things you can do is kind of self-assess is do I ever get to a place where my cup is full and it can stay full? Or do I start to feel like I have a cup that has a hole on the bottom where it's never enough? It's never enough. And no matter what they do, it may help in a millisecond, but then all of a sudden it goes back to not working again. If I'm working with someone who has a really high-activated high survival body and, and they have a really hard time trusting their partner and they want to see their phone and they want to see their phone. And yes, there is, I believe, and this is very controversial, but I believe there is a place with your partner in a relationship where you can ask to see a phone. But if you look at somebody's phone and all of a sudden that helps in a brief second, like, okay, all right, they're, they're, being, they're being faithful. And it never, it never lasts. And they need it again. And they need it again. And they need it again. Okay, now that's that's about. There's a hole at the bottom of my cup, and I got to figure out how to how to how to stop that hole up. And it should be important to note that, like that hole at the bottom of your cup, is your responsibility, right? Mm. Oh, this is why we are friends. Yes, 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 yes. And that's, we self-regulate and co-regulate. And there's part of us that is for us to tend to. We are the cake. They are the icing. I'm going to say it 101 times. That is for us to tend to. And where we kind of get into wonky relationships, dysregulated relationships, more toxic relationships, when I would just be happy if you did X, Y, and Z. And if you did that, I would not have a problem. And therefore, the problem's you. If you just jump into this little cup, I will be fine. The thing is, if you have a partner who's like, if you just did this, I would be happy. And here's the kicker. That little cup that they want you to jump in, it keeps moving. So you like think you're jumping into a cup and they're like, nope, nope, okay, no, now you need to do this. And then you go to jump in that cup and that little cup keeps moving and you feel like, what the hell? Like, it doesn't matter what I do, their cup is never full. And by the way, you're responsible for it. And, you know, there's that thing of like, oh, well, I mean, I mean, Carlos got into this a little bit in the beginning of our relationship where we would start. Wait, wait, pause. Are we going to meet Carlos soon? Because I know we need to. We need to have him I on. Know. The world needs to meet Carlos. <laughs> so Carlos is my boyfriend for those who are just joining. And we've been together for a year and a couple weeks, actually. But we got into this thing in the beginning of our relationship where we would say like, oh, that seems like it would be a you problem or that seems like a me problem. Or, you know, I would say that a lot. And like, I, my therapist was like, there are no you and me problems. It's a we problem altogether. Do you agree with that? Or what do you think about that? 
you know, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, I probably would have a little bit of a different perspective in that I do believe there is an I and there is a you. However, when I'm looking at a relational dynamic, I'm looking at like a team, you know? And so I think a team, a team has all three to me. A team has like a whole baseball team out there being like, we got this, we got this. And then there is some that's like, no, I'm on first base and I'm responsible for this part of the, of the team. So I do like a both and. I do have a both and. Like you got your role, I've got my role, but we also are part of the team. It's like a group project. That's what I try to say. That's how I try to say, it. you know, like. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some questions, mm-hmm. shall we? Hi, 31-year-old here in Austin, Texas, and I'm curious, I feel like I've been working on my anxiety and my core beliefs and everything that I am to do to kind of develop a grounded and peaceful lifestyle, and I'm just a little exhausted, and I'm curious, does this ever end? I had my 31st birthday last weekend, and for a split second in the form of two days, I had this feeling would it feel like to not have anxiety like I didn't have it for two days and then I kind of snapped back into the anxiety world and I have been seeking that feeling that I had for two days of kind of just like ultimate presence um and I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary I was just kind of at a hotel in my city having a staycation with myself and my dog and I live alone regularly so the only change was literally being in a hotel but I guess my question is, how can we get ourselves to a feeling and bypass our logic and our ego and the years and decades of film and fog of anxiety and training? Does it ever end? And um, I'm hoping I don't enter my fourth decade on this world having to deal with just always navigating being a naturally anxious person. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, yeah, like I so I can hear it in her voice even. Like I think when you're somebody who's dealt with anxiety over a long period of time, and it feels like this has been a lifelong or a long journey um, for her. Well, first, thank you so much for sending that from Austin. I love it. Um, so I, I think, so here's what I would address is that I noticed you said a few things. One, you said, I'm working really hard on this and I'm really exhausted. And so I would say, even though we're working hard on it, we, we've got, this life is not even a marathon. It, it's a, we always say it's a marathon more than a sprint, but it is a long ass marathon. I feel like it's one of those Spartan races or something where it's like a hundred miles, right? Because we want to approach life as being under construction, I would also say go easy on yourself, right? There's time construction, you know, sometimes construction will pause for a weekend. Sometimes construction will take a little break and resume. But we want to approach this as when we are working on our anxiety, we want to use words like, like, like we want to make progress. We want to work on it. We want to practice. We want to learn. They're words that have movement so that we don't feel like we're getting to a place where we arrive. When we're working on dep- with depression or anxiety, I'm not looking for a state of arrival. We're not making it black and white. It's not, how do I make this go away? How do I just make this feel a little better? And I, you actually, you, Sweets, you already even did what I would recommend that you did is you started to say, I had two days that felt good there. Let me look around and see what was different. And you said, the only thing I can figure out is I was in a hotel room. And if I was sitting with you, I'd say, stop, 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 right there. Yeah, that's it right there. When I'm working with anxiety, um, I use the trauma resiliency model, and that's really focused on shifting our nervous system, which affects those anxious thoughts, and we shift our nervous system 
through our senses. So the fact that you were in a hotel room, that you were out of your environment, that you were in something that was like peaceful, there ain't no, there's no laundry. There's no laundry waiting for you. There's no annoying neighbor, right? There's not things like, oh, I got to get this done. Your body was in an environment. Now, does that mean you have to go to a hotel every time you want to have a day of not being anxious? No, but, but I would make a note to self like, ooh, could I put this in quarterly? Can I grab a girlfriend or a guy friend and go and do a little staycation or an overnight knowing it gives my body a break from its anxiety? So we want to go through the senses, things like that are aesthetically pleasing, right? Other senses, music, right? Taste, smell. I would look you to, I would, I would encourage you to start exploring and you want to build a tool belt of things that just take an edge off, not make it go away, but things that just take an edge off. The things that I encourage clients to do as we're building their tool belt and everybody else is different is things that aren't necessarily exhausting. So things like I, like for instance, you see me all the time, almost every live I'm eating Tootsie Rolls candy, preferably lollipops and Tootsie Rolls. But, but to me, this, this is what I'm talking about. Just sucking on a lollipop. Can I just get a little, a little pow of like goodness and sweetness? And can I pause 12 to 15 seconds and that let that just drop into my body and be like, this is damn good, right? A Starbucks, that song that you love that comes on, you may need to pull your car to the side of the road, listen to that song and be like, hold on, I am just going to absorb this song in right now and let me feel it, right? So it's going through your senses, right? And it's letting it 12 to 15 seconds just drop into your body. Now, you may come back and say, Well, that does something, but it like barely does something. And I'd say that's right. That's okay. Even if it's 0.5% better, that's 0.5% better than where you were and it takes an edge off. And so we build a tool belt of all these little different things we can try. A a scent of lavender, right? Um, A song, a, a really warm blanket. You know, my coffee in the morning is my biggest resource that's in my tool belt. I love my coffee in the morning. I, I can't tell you. It's almost a little abnormal how happy it makes me, but I slow down. I won't let anybody bother me. And I just enjoy the smell of my coffee, the taste of my coffee. So we want to build in these things so that they're not really, they don't have to be all big things. It doesn't have to be all my grateful, my gratitude journal or my journal, or I have to do my meditation. Yes, those are, those are nice. Those are good. And we can add those to our tool belt, but those are big chunks. I like little things because if I do little things then I can drip them, I have a drip system, a drip, a drip system drops water throughout the day. That's what we need. And that's what I'd encourage you to work on. When I'm doing lives, one of the things I get asked a lot too is like, are you, are you naturally that happy? Um, yes. Yes, I am. Like, I really am. I mean, I have hard things in my life. Don't get me wrong. I have really hard things. I naturally rest in a state that is pretty calm and happy, but I've got so many of those little tiny things that drip into my day. I got to tell you, it's just like a, it's like happiness over here. Like, this is just fantastic, right? Because I've, I've created all these little things that overall make for a very nice, pleasant place to be. So, so I, that's where I would encourage you to start with that is keep working, start working on a tool belt all the, all the go, and go through your senses as you gather them and experiment. That was a, a long ass answer, but I really, really like this topic. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I just heard somebody on TikTok say it's like they're nine, they're non-negotiable nine and the nine things that they do, you know, every day it's like getting up early or, or, or just stretching, you know, your body. I think listening to your body is key. Mm -hmm. But I want to keep them small because I like those things. Those are key. 
But if our body feels like, oh, that's so much work. I've got to get up early. I've got those. Those are good. But but also go easy on yourself so that if I don't get up, can I grab a lollipop and be just like get a little pop of of blissness? You know. So I want to keep them manageable so my body isn't like, oh damn, I got to gear up to work on this anxiety again today. Like not making it work. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Whatever that is for you. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, here's our next question. Hi, this is Amanda, and I was just wondering what you would do in a situation where you were in a relationship with someone for nine months, you really cared for that person, you loaned them some money to help them out financially, and when you got in a little bit of an argument, they went and blocked you, which then in turn really devastated you and then felt betrayed. And then when you did reach out to them a couple months later... They said some really horrible things to you, said you deserved and wondered why you were single, that you never had any successful relationships, and said some really horrible, horrible things. Um, if you could just give me some advice on how I can move forward with that that situation, um, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, that would mean so much. And I enjoy your TikToks. Thank you so much. They've helped me out tremendously. Um, appreciate you answering my question. Thank you. Ooh, big one. Yeah, yes, and I this I um I really appreciate you sending us that and sharing and even like um you know letting us hold your story for you because there's there's a lot there um and you know I there's a few things I want to I want to point out here but man first of all like not easy not easy I mean that's just that's hard. That's hurtful. I mean, and there's, when it's layered, like different layers of hurt is when it gets so a sense of like, it's, it's hurt that I really cared for the person. It's hurt that I really trusted them by loaning them money. And then when you feel blocked, it's just, it's just these layers of, of, of hurt. So a few things, a few things to tuck away. I wouldn't necessarily call this therapeutic advice. And again, remember the disclaimer, this is not therapy, just opinion. But you know, my, my parents were extremely generous. It was my, one of my favorite, still is one of my favorite characteristics about about my mom and my dad was when he was alive and and that they're incredibly generous but I also I often would say to him doesn't it bother you when people come and ask you if they can loan money from you and I re- still remember my mama saying to me no but I always assume I always assume if I give it to them I'm only going to give it to them if I'm okay with not getting it back and I really thought that was good advice is to say okay I'm okay giving it. Would I like to get it back? Yes. Do I hope to get it back? But would I be okay? Would I be willing to totally let this go and not get it back? And that has served me well in life. It really has. Um, Because then I don't feel bitter or hurt or wounded if somebody's borrowed it and I haven't gotten it back. Doesn't mean I won't communicate. Doesn't mean I won't follow up. But will I also be willing to let it go, especially if there's a relationship that's at stake or a friendship at stake? Um, but if not, it eats away at us. Do you see how that it's eating away? That, that, that they, you loan them money and it's eating away at us because it feels so unjust and it feels so wrong. You can ask yourself, okay, you are not stuck. Is there anything you want to do? Is there anything you legally want to do to try to recoup that so your body feels like it has choice? Because our bodies do better when they feel like they have a choice. But I would kind of tuck that one away. Okay, no going forward. If anybody asked to borrow money, would I be okay not getting it back? And that's kind of my that's kind of my my gauge for myself. As far as them blocking you, I always come back to this. And then I noticed you said you waited a few months and you reached out again and out again. And right there is where I would slow down with you, sweets, and say, um, "Why? 
why why were we reaching out again? Why were we, was it we were missing them? Was it we were lonely? Because we want to slow down when we reach out to somebody again and understand what is driving us. Why do we do what we do? What is driving us? And if we miss them, if we can figure out why we're reaching out, right, by slowing down, when we usually reach out to somebody, it's usually in the moment. Usually there's a little alcohol involved. Sometimes there's like either either loneliness, boredom, or alcohol, but we're, meaning, we're needing something, and then we find ourselves in the moment. So if you're reaching out to somebody who doesn't want to be with you or who's blocked you, my encouragement would be to slow down and be like, okay, I, I will reach out to them, but I'll reach out to them if I, it, if I still feel like I should tomorrow, right? Or 24 hours. Or if you feel, or I'd have a girlfriend or guy friend in place to be like, okay, you're my safety net. I'm going to reach out to you when I feel like reaching out to them. Because we want to slow down and ask ourselves, why do we want to reach out to somebody who doesn't want to be with us? Why do we re- want to reach out to somebody who would block us? Right? And so we want to slow down because the number one criteria about someone we want to be with is somebody who wants to be with us. That's not the only criteria. That's not why we're with them because they like us. But that has to be the number one criteria of somebody that is that somebody we want is they too want to be with us. And so we would want to slow down and hold that. Now, if you're what you're wanting there too is closure that you didn't, sounds like you did not get, then that's where I would encourage you to say, okay, what other ways of closure can I get? You know, if, if they're not responding, then I, I, I don't have that option, which is frustrating and hard on our body. So I would explore other avenues. Do I want to, do I want to write a letter? It doesn't mean I need to send it. I'm not suggesting sending it, but do I want to capture those thoughts, capture what I would say if I had a choice um, to, if, to speak to them so that I felt like I had some kind of closure? Um, but, but that's a hard one, especially because in the present moment, I don't think you want who they are in the present moment. If you'd met them right at this place, I don't think you'd want them because they blocked you. But our body doesn't know time. So our body holds on to probably all those good feelings you had when you first met them. And because of all those good feelings you had when he first met them, your body's trying to be like, how do we get back there? How do I get back there? And so that's where we want to come in and say, oh, we, we realize he's a placeholder. He's a placeholder for all those feelings you had in your body. If that's the last person that you had lovey-dovey feelings with, falling in love, all those good feelings of connection and, and emotional, like that emotional connection and attunement, that's where I would encourage you to say, oh, I know he's a placeholder for that. And I would say, oh, and we loved that in the beginning. And I know we missed that. And then I would say, and here's where we are right now. And I'd bring you back down to the present moment. This is somebody that has blocked you. This is somebody who hasn't been kind to you. And he said all those unkind words, right? And so how do I bring it back and say, and do we want that? And that's where we need to sit is come back to the present moment. But man, this is not an easy one. No, it's not. I I chose it specifically Mm. because I was like, I wonder what Lisa has to say about this. It's a little gritty. It's gritty. It's Yeah. And I think money is like one of those really tricky things that when it gets involved, it just yeah. Sours. Thank you for not choosing like the vanilla ones for me, Andrew. I want good, I want some things like, you know, and she, the last part too, where he, she said, you know, he said all these mean things. And then I would say, but so who's protecting you? You know, we have to build right. a parent inside of ourselves. A parent has two characteristics. You've heard me say this before, nurturing and protective. Who's protecting you? If we're not protecting ourselves, then that part of us is just getting is just has all those those wounds, like those those attacks and those words towards our smart self. Who's protecting you? And that needs to be our focus. Right. Okay, here's our next question. 
Hello, Lisa and Andrew. Thank you so much for this podcast. And Lisa, I absolutely love your TikToks. I think you have great advice. So my question is, so I've been on online dating for a really long time, longer than I would like to admit. Um, I'm 34 years old. I'm um, a queer woman um, and I date women. And I feel like because I date women, the pool is smaller um, and... I just feel like I'm I'm coming across a lot of women who either have like avoidant attachment style, which I I heard that that's that's what makes up most of the dating apps is like avoidant attachment style, and I just feel like I'm always the one initiating, and women just don't seem to be very action oriented, and I'm always the one feeling like I'm chasing them. It's to a point where I've gotten so frustrated and I felt such a burnout that I decided to just delete my dating apps a few days ago, and I'm trying my hardest to stay away from them, and my goal is to stay as long away as long as possible. But I'm just wondering if you have any advice for me, you know. I'm queer and I feel like it's harder to meet women and also we have restrictions because I live in Canada, in Ontario specifically, we have a lot of restrictions due to COVID. So any advice would be really great. Thank you so much again. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm so glad my videos have been helpful. I That is why I do it. Um, so if that, those kind of sentiments, I wish you guys could see how much they, they mean to me. You know, um, I made a video, a small video out of a live I did a, a few months ago where somebody had asked, you know, why do you do this? And I said, well, there's some really hard things in my life that I can't control, um, but but this I can do. And when I get those comments back, like, I have, I don't think you guys realize how much those mean to me. Like, it is such a gift to me. Like, um, so I, I feel like saying, like, thank you. Like, thank you for taking the time to, like, send those questions or even to respond that it's helpful. Because um, that is, the, honestly, it's the biggest gift um, to me. So let's let's look, though. Let's kind of, let's tackle this situation. You know, as you were explaining it, I was noticing you were talking in statements. And let me explain what I mean by that. We were We were coming up with some facts, such as there's not as many women, there's not as many queer women on app, the pool is smaller, majority are avoidant attachment, um, and and it almost came as if we were we had data and and we w- we have statements about that data. When we come in with facts, I would say, well, does that make us feel better or worse? And 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 I mean, I'm I mean, as you were painting the picture, I'm over here being like, this damn, this feels bleak. Like this feel, I feel it. This feels this feels bleak. And notice how many of those those th- that data and those stats do you have control over? And so I'd be, I would be real care. What I'd want to do is kind of shift our language is to say, no, it doesn't, I'm not going to look at the pool and I'm not going to look at like, I'm not going to make generalizations or conclusions or summaries. I'm simply going to say, well, I'm here and I'm amazing. So I'm just going to hold, how do I keep my hope in a place to know there's got to be other amazing people out here. And if you, if I'm the one initiating and I don't see somebody hitting, hitting the ball back, I like the tennis court analogy. If I'm hitting a tennis ball over and I don't see someone hitting it back, then I know they're not for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. But if I'm here and I'm hitting balls over, there has to be somebody else hitting balls over too. And that's kind of, that's, see, do you see the feel of that? And so I would encourage you, if you do end up going back online, and if you want to stay online, if you want to stay off, that's that's fine. I'm not going to force you back on. But if you do go back on, I'd want to shift how you're approaching it and to say, okay, I'll stay on for a little bit. If I start to get discouraged, I'll pop off. And then if I want to get back on, I can. But I want to keep, I want to keep my vision narrow. 
I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to assess the whole pond. I just want you to stay, stay right here, swim right in front of you and be like, I'm here and I'm pretty stinking amazing. So I got to wait. I'll just keep floating around until I find somebody else that's amazing. Right. And so I keep it, keep it small. Okay, because all that does is make us discouraged and doesn't make us feel any better, which is why if you have on TikTok seen any, any of my rants about why I don't like research and data, probably the only therapist out there that doesn't like research and data, not when I'm working with clients, not when I'm trying to somebody make somebody feel more hopeful right? What am I going to tell an over 40 single corporate woman? Well, guess what, right? Odds are you're never going to find anybody. That's what the stats say. What does that do to our, what does that do to our hope? That just like pops a, pops a, you know, puts a hole in that balloon really fast. All that air comes out, right? So I, I'd stay, stay small, stay small. The other thing you'd said is you're, you're off the apps. And I like to do in everything. So even if you're off the apps and I say, okay, where else can we meet people? What else do we do? And so I, there's two other areas that I really encourage people. I like to do in all of the above. I like people to go on dating apps. I like them to do, and then I like them to do a few other things. And here's what they are. One is I would look for things that you can get involved with that give you something that you already have in common with people. So if you love books, find a book group. If you love gardening, go find a gardening group. If you like hiking or tennis, whatever it is, if you've wanted to take guitar lessons, absolutely no individual lessons for you. You go find a group. You want to, and why do we do that? It, it's, there's two parts to this. One, if I do meet somebody, it already gives us something that we have in common. And second, it gets me around and used to talking to strangers and people out and finding community. And even if you go to that guitar group and you're like, well, there's no potential girls here, right? But what about, what about Bob? What about Bob who happens to have a sister and he's like wanting to hook you up? You know what I mean? Like you just don't know. You just don't know. But you, but it, what our bodies need to do is something. When we don't, anxiety needs something to do. And when it doesn't do anything is when we feel worse. Now, I know a lot of people come back and say, yeah, but COVID. And I go, okay, yes, right, true. How can you be reasonable? How can you be careful? I'm not suggesting being reckless. But that doesn't mean we put our life on hold. I've got to tell you from a mental health standpoint, I'm like, please up your risk a little bit and get around people because the cost is your mental health. And to me, that is a different kind of death. It really is. And so I would encourage a balance, a balance that says, for my mental health, I need to be able to be outside, be connected with other people. And that is imperative. That is imperative to my, my mental health. The other option that I would have you, that I would add to that is get used to talk, work on, and not just, this is not just for extroverts. This is for introverts as well. And I'm no, I know it's not easy. By the way, just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you don't talk to people right? It just means you need to withdraw to recharge. Now, if you really struggle with social anxiety, that's another one that needs to be tackled. But, but keep in mind, in, in being an introvert doesn't mean that you don't talk to people, all right? So my encouragement would be when you go into Starbucks, looking, you know, checking out the, not checking out the person behind you, but turning to the person, okay, maybe checking, maybe checking out the person behind you, but even being like, oh, what do you like to order when you come? Or asking the the gal, when you check out of Target, how's your day going? Now, you may be thinking, okay, but I don't think I'm going to find my potential match being the cashier at at Target. True. But what I'm having you get used to is talking to strangers because the more you do that, the, the less you have a fuck off written across your forehead. You look inviting. You look soft. So that when you do see that girl who you're like, oh, hey now, okay, 
Because if you, what makes you think if you can't talk to strangers, what makes you think you're going to be, you're going to be able to talk to somebody that you think's cute? And so, by the way, we, we, we talked about this on a live. It was stinking hilarious because everybody on the live was like, oh my gosh, that's so me. We say we'd love to meet somebody. We think that we really would like to meet somebody. We never meet anybody in real life. And yet, and then what happens? You see that hot person and they're walking towards you and your body literally like, like a magnet, like the, like the opposite of, like the opposite of a magnet. It literally goes, like you literally will like abandon ship and like go as far away from the person and then, then then like steer back around. Like our bodies are like, "Ah," like, and then they leave, right? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Andrew. I, well, I'm one of those people, I think, being a New Yorker that has a fuck you on their forehead nine times out of ten. And that's something that I really need to, like, work on a little bit. Like, I have resting bitch face, for sure, when I'm walking down the street. Yeah. That's just something with me that I've just, I don't know. I think it's my eyebrows. Okay, we need, uh, you have fantastic eyebrows, by the way. Thank you. But it looks like I'm constantly angry or, like, thinking really hard. Um, which is just their shape. But, you know, I was going to say, like, I think this caller, too, I'm afraid that this caller is kind of, like, losing hope that love is really out there. And I'm, uh, you know, I have made an entire podcast and an entire TikTok account on the premise of deleting your dating apps. However, now that I've had some time away from that, I think about it in a sense of like, maybe it doesn't need to be all or nothing, you know, and I'm a very all or nothing kind of person. So I really get what this caller is saying, but I think there could be a balance there, you know, like we've talked about where it's like, it doesn't have to be you, you are shutting yourself out from love or, or that you're not open to it. You know, I think you have to be open to receiving. Absolutely. And yeah, you can hear that in her voice a little. And that's where we want to, how do I start to get back some of that hope Hope isn't about if it actually happens. Hope is about what it gives you in the moment, right? And it's a sense of saying, you're, you're right, I don't know who I'm going to meet. I don't know when I turn the corner who's going to be walking towards me down the street. I don't know. I, I have no idea what tomorrow holds. And if we lost some of that, that's when we get discouraged. And if we keep dating in that mindset, all that does is make us feel more jaded and more jaded. And that's where we get a little blah, exactly. you know? And we go in with that. So yes, all of these, these are all things to put in your tool belt. There, there's no recipe to follow, but we, we feel better when we have things we can try. Working on having a softer expression, being aware, do I have a big fuck off written across my forehead, even if you're in New York? Right? Can, I, can I start just engaging and talking with, with people? And I like what you said. I just talked about this on an interview I did the other day of how do we use dating apps in a way that's not all or nothing? That's like, I'm like opening up the little, I'm opening up the little slider, letting a few fish into the pond, sure. and then I'm, I'm, I'm shutting the door. I let a few little fish swim around. I get to know them or talk to them. Maybe something fizzles, maybe nothing happens. Then I open up the little slider again, let a few more fish in, and then I close it. So I'm not like swarms, 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 and my body's like trying to like, you know, swim through them all, and it feels overwhelming to our body and discouraging. Well, and what do we do when, because I used to run into this problem a lot, you know, when I was on the dating apps, I would do that sometimes where I would just, okay, I'm going to talk to like two or three people and kind of like fill them out. But how do you psychologically handle the fact that like those two or three people may be swarming in their own, you know, have all those fishes in their, on their plate, you know, and, yeah. and knowing that you, that that person has many options and you maybe have 
want to have less options than they do. Like that was a real ego thing for me to go through. Oh yeah. Yeah. So good. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is one of those days I feel like we could go on and on. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I would say the same thing. Where did your eyes go into your pond or into theirs? Exactly. I was thinking about them. Their pond. Right. Exactly. So I'm. So the minute our eyes get into what they're doing, it's distressing to our nervous system and it doesn't feel good. I simply come back over here knowing, okay, if somebody's got too many fish in their pond, my body can tell. My body can tell because they're not really with me. They're very hit or miss. They're really kind of all over the place. And no, you don't, doesn't mean you want to jump in really quickly and get serious right away. But if somebody has too many fish, your body can tell because you're, you're, you're going to start to try to figure out what's going on. Right. Yeah, because you can't keep that up. And by the way, to all you TikTok girls who have those insane spreadsheets keeping track of everybody, I, I, w- I would say no. I would say immediately no. I like that little trend on TikTok right now. Immediately no. Immediately no. Right. 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 I can, because it's it, it, it then. And by the way, I think guys can tell when you're a dater, when you're dating so much that you need a spreadsheet. Right. That's right. just that's just my two cents. So I would say, how do we, how do we leave? Get a few fish in. Close the door. Do they work with me? Oh, you got way too many fish swimming in your pond. I, that's not going to work for me. No, I don't. Doesn't mean I have to jump in and get serious right away, but. But, but that's, you know, and then again, it, it takes some time. It takes some time figuring it out and it's not easy. But let, maybe we need to do a whole one just on dating apps, dating apps and first dates with dating apps, those first initial dates. One of my favorite topics. Well, if you are listening and you have questions having to do with, with these topics, please send them to us for, um, if you can make them 60 seconds or less, that would be fabulous. And um you know, we just want to say the best way to support us is to rate, review, and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, we now are operating on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave a written review there, which gives us uh, a little bit of boost in the Apple algorithm. But Lisa, did you have anything else to add before we sign off for the well, week? Well, you you know how I like to sign off, but you know, I would say this is my new favorite. Uh, besides seeing my clients, I am loving this, um, answering your questions, loving this time with Andrew, I don't know how I lucked out getting the best partner in this ever. Um, I just love it. And I can't wait. We need Carlos. I'm, I'm going to speak on behalf of everybody. We need to get Carlos in here too. Um, but you know, that's, we're going to ask you guys, we don't ask for much. If you've noticed, I don't do a lot. Of, I mean, I don't on TikTok even, I, I don't do a lot of ads. I really only do ones I really believe in, but we really are going to ask you guys to go and to comment, to rate and review, um, so that we can keep doing this. Um, And as always, as I end all of my lives, I would just encourage you to be kind. I would encourage you to look around you. I think if anything, as a therapist, what I see is there's a lot of people that are really struggling, especially with the with the Omicron COVID numbers going up again, I see really people really, really struggling. So anything you can do to smile at somebody, hold the door open, tell them they look pretty, be kind to people on, on social media. You, you, you have no idea what goes on in their lives. And I would say be quick to be kind and be slow to judge. Be slow to judge. If there's anything I think our world needs more than anything right now, it, it is us being kind and protecting one another, not beating each other up and tearing each other down. 